1: Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of State even Gale And it's not silk. It is Dan and
2: Delatore. Silk gallivanting off in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, too much moonshine.
1: Yeah. yeah too yeah. much moonshine. Dan's-
2: too little Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah, Dan's uh, Dan's old Wi-Fi made it up to, uh, <laughs> to Boone, North <laughs> Carolina. Yeah, well, uh, I sent him the router. Said, "Hey, this will work." Uh, but uh no silks on vacation he's uh, on a family trip up to uh, north carolina uh saw him doing a uh, wind sprints against his son yesterday uphill uphill. Did you see
2: that, uphill wind sprints um getting close he's got maybe 3 to 4 more races left yeah uh, harlem harlem's got got him got him in his crosshairs
1: really yeah i was going to say uh, so. this this time next year uh i like harlem by 5 or 6 uh, strides. But, uh, for now, I don't, S- I don't cause Silk is a wily veteran. He will win one more
2: race and then he will not race his son anymore.
1: Ah, yeah. He'll go out on top. Yeah. yeah. He'll say, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hang up the cleats, retire mm-hmm. on top, a little Barry Sanders action. Yeah, I can see it, you know? Um, But it is it is just Nick and I today we are going to do obviously a full comprehensive coverage of SEC media days. Uh, But if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Please leave a comment. Let us know where you're listening from. Uh, let us know what player you're most excited about this year. Do whatever, just drop it in the comments there. Also quick programming note. If you are listening to us on Apple podcast, because we shared it on, I was going to say Twitter, but apparently X now, cause we shared it on X. Um, you will have to resubscribe to the feed. We had some issues with a, uh, a former bad actor that was associated with the podcast. Uh, the feed got deleted on the old one, so it will no longer update uh, with the way that our uh, platform works. So you will have to resubscribe. While you're there, please just give us a five-star review. Please give us a quick comment. It helps us. That's the biggest thing that we lost. All of the old episodes are still there. All of the old episodes are on the new feed, uh, but the biggest thing we lost was, was about 1,200 uh, ratings. So if you could go ahead and like and subscribe, there uh and uh, and leave us a comment but nick how was your weekend my friend
2: uh weekend was good got uh got to see some friends they had their seventh wedding anniversary so hung out with them um and just get, getting geared up it's uh media day is this week the team will start practicing a week from today uh we've made it through the barren wasteland of the off season um, it doesn't seem like I got much of an offseason because baseball no, but- went so far and then got married and then was out of the country, came back. And here we are. Uh, football season's back.
1: Yeah, football season is back. SEC media days in beautiful Nashville. I know that you were upset that you couldn't make it back to the best SEC city uh, in the world uh, this past and I was down in the, uh, the 954. Uh, it was my uh, little nephew's fourth birthday. So got to go to the pool uh, with him. Uh, man, corralling uh, four-year-olds, a lot harder than I imagined. Hmm. Not something that, you know, I have a ton of experience with. Obviously, no kids myself, but uh, corralling four-year-olds, trying to keep them entertained. Uh, they like to throw punches. Uh, they Ooh. like to jump at you. Uh, they like to run and, and, you know, Oklahoma drill you. So, um, you, know, was, really? uh, you know, it came back a little battered and bruised, but... Uh, they, have
2: a, they have a low base as is. So They do, perfectly- yeah. Uh, you say in the Oklahoma drill, low man wins. How? What is the stance to get lower than a four-year-old to not get run over and and, and be on the low light reel? You can't. The and they,
1: they, they, they can't. You know, they, they have zero thought about it. Whether they're going to hurt themselves, so. and if they do, they just cry until they get coddled, right? But they have zero fear. Mm. They'll just go and they'll throw punches. You know, there was a my uh, my other nephew uh, turns six in in a couple of months, and he had a friend there, and they were just throwing punches at my dad's stomach. And after a while, it's like, all right, buddy, now it's time to, uh, you know, we're going to meet up at the OK Corral and square up here. But uh, but no, it was a great time, great weather. I uh, want to give a quick shout out. Uh, ran into an old high school or a college friend of mine, Harold Pryor. He's actually the, uh, the uh, state attorney for, uh, for Broward County, but ran into him. Haven't seen him in a long time. He listens to the pods. So shout out to Harold. Uh, great seeing him. Uh, Nick. A little inside story from your wedding. Your uh, best man told a story about Runyon's in a square up that you almost had uh, at Runyon's years ago. Uh, Didn't end up happening because you ended up at a Taco Bell, Uh, but (laughs) almost (laughs) went there for dinner Friday. Tried to get in, uh, but uh, they said no cigar. So uh, almost went back to your old stomping grounds.
2: You thought you had walk-up Runyon's pull. I don't. that's what i learned back in the day when when you lived in the 954 perhaps um but glad that you were just trying to do it by yourself and you didn't have uh broke with you that's that's tough to come back from hey babe i got us for dinner don't worry oh no that place is tough to get into i I know a guy and then you spring's legend get to the door and it turns out you don't know a guy yeah Um, and then you end
1: up at taco bell yeah, no, ended up at uh, Big Bear Brewing, which is a good spot. Uh, met up with uh, the best man uh, that was in my wedding. Uh, great guy. I haven't seen him in about a year. But, uh, but, man, going back to 954, it's crazy. I went down to Fort Lauderdale uh, Saturday night. Went down to the Seastrunk Market, which is like a food hall. Uh, but the amount of construction that's happening in Fort Lauderdale, the amount of just big bread that's down there. Uh, it was cool to be back, uh, but it's great to be back uh, in Tampa. So let's get uh, let's get started, Nick. As always, let's give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance. Visit him at Alan Horn Insurance. That's A-L-A-N-H-O-R-N-E, insurance.com. Always a good time to look at your rates for insurance. I just saved 600 bucks. I think, re-upping my uh, insurance policy with a different carrier. So always check out your insurance policies. Again, Alan Horn, 706-692-2888 or alanhorneinsurance.com. That's automobile insurance, boat insurance, RV insurance, business insurance, life insurance, renter's insurance, uh, and home insurance. So, again, Alan Horn with Alan Horn Insurance in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. Uh, Nick, SEC media days. uh, Came and went from beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Billy Napier uh, spoke on Wednesday, but uh, give us a high-level overview. You know, second time there, uh, first time in Nashville for SEC Media Days. But talk to us a little bit about what your thoughts are on, uh, on Billy Napier.
2: Yeah, I thought uh, last year, kind of Billy's kind of more just taking it in. Um, his first one, uh, getting asked a bunch of questions that maybe he didn't know the answer to or didn't have uh the confidence uh being a new guy to answer uh you know there were a lot of questions about future scheduling and um you know he said something this this year uh I've got my own grass to mow um you know when when talking about stuff like that so to me he was more of a participant this year uh a little more comfortable a little more confident and um it, it's interesting to me you, the guys that they bring, and Billy Napier brings guys based on who he think is who he thinks has earned it. It's always going to be an upperclassman. You didn't bring a quarterback. Uh, when you bring a quarterback to SC Media Days, you're you're naming a starter, and Florida hasn't done that yet. wasn't ready to. Uh, I think from a ten thousand foot view, um, it was a good a good day. Uh, you didn't get any kind of crazy talk. I think Kingsley uh, Aguakin. Uh, said something like, "I don't like those people talking about Florida State," and that might be mm-hmm. uh, the most controversial thing that came out, you know, from the Gators for for SEC media days. And, and you can live with that if you're Billy Napier.
1: Yeah, no, I thought uh, I thought Billy Napier was was well-spoken. He's not a guy that's ever going to give you a lot of sound bites, right? You um,
0: mm-hmm. and I no. have both
1: had the opportunity to to interview him. Certainly, you a lot more than me. Uh, but he's a guy that's very calculated in what he says, not trying to uh, to draw the ire of uh, bulletin board material, not trying to, uh, to cause a big stir. He's going to talk a lot. He's going to say little. Uh, and I think that we saw that. You almost have to read a little bit between the lines or hope for a little bit of a Freudian slip, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a second. But ultimately, uh, Nick, first things first, Gator team, Billy Napier. Dressed to the absolute nine, so we got to give some winners here. Uh, first winner I'm mm. going to give is to Billy Napier's uh, Taylor and whoever he mm. gets his suit from. Uh, I need to reach out and figure out who that is. Uh, big Hong Kong Andy guy myself, but um, <laughs> it might be time for for somebody else comes dressed in the uh, in the light gray suit, white shirt, purple tie, just fresh. Would you think of uh, Billy Napier's outfit? Solid outfit.
2: I mean we're we're yeah. coming from we're coming from a dark place, Dan. Yeah, uh, the the previous coach. Uh, set fashion back at least to the 90s. Yeah. Uh, with least. the bagginess, that bagginess in the pleats and the uh, cuffs, and parachute pants with the cuffs. Um, and the, but so, you have
1: to, he was wearing the Jordans, Nick. So everybody was like, you know what? It's not could that bad. You barely see
2: the Jordans with how <laughs> wide the, pen, the pant legs were. Um, yeah. So Billy looked good. Um, and then I think to toot my own horn, I think I nailed, absolutely nailed. Uh, what my expectations were going to be for the players. I think Princely looked like he was a, the chairman of a Fortune 500 company. He did. Very dapper, very clean look. Uh, Ricky Pearsall looked like like, like the executioner, all black, uh, Rick Wick, John Wick vibes. But then you've got the Louboutin shoes, uh, red bottoms definitely had the most drip and then jason marshall clean outfit wearing some off-white shoes with the uh jason marshall um uh pendant that i think our boy kevin camps designed in, in terms of the logo uh, okay. he turned that into into a necklace so i thought i thought ricky would have the most drip marshall would have uh the best accessories and then kingsley would look like he ran a business and I think I nailed it as far yeah. as my projections. I, you
1: know, I think I think we were all kind of on the same same boat there. Let's pull up uh, what Kingsley was wearing. Uh, this is why you watch us. We're a, a video uh, platform now. So Kingsley, you know, goes probably a, a nice charcoal blue, uh, maybe a platinum blue type, um, you know, goes with a tie, white shirt, you know, not 100% tied up there on the tie. That's okay. Uh, you know, it's guy guy, it's about business for him. Right. Um, High expectations for him. You know, a guy that moved into a starting role uh, last year and this year, a lot of expectations on him. I know pro football focus uh, is high on him, but, you know, just a a, a gritty guy, you know, a guy that's looking to, uh, you know, go in, go to work, lunch pail kind of guy. Uh, But Kingsley looks good. Uh, But then, you know, Ricky Pearsall, um, you know, I, I think I think you won, Nick. Uh, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I, I think the only thing that you can say about about Slick Rick is you know clean haircut, black shirt, Man, black suit, yeah. uh, has the uh, the little emblem on the lapel. Uh, but you know, for all intents and purposes, a little swag. But then you look down, Nick. You got the two thousand dollar red bottoms. Um, I know that you're a a big Christian Louboutin kind of guy yourself. Um, yeah. You know, but wearing the other uh, spiked two thousand dollars shoes is, you know, to me means that nil maybe has fixed some of their issues. Nick
2: nil's working. Yeah, yeah. I saw the. Uh, it's probably the guarantors um, of the uh, of the people living at the standard, um, but like the average income for people living at the standard, which has a lot of football players living there, was like two hundred six thousand mm. uh, dollars. So and I. <laughs> NIL might be working. It's probably the guarantors, as uh, hundreds of people told me on Twitter. um, Just the joke flying over their heads. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, Yeah. Let's. uh, Mom and Dad.
1: Let's pull up the uh, the Louboutins here. Um, Yeah. You know, you're looking you're looking at a at a nice piece of drip there. No socks, unless they're the no show socks. Uh, ultimately, that's a statement, you know what I mean, Nick? Uh, so yeah the no, no
2: sock could be a weirdo move. you got you gotta be some some no so no show socks with those, but you got the spikes. um I don't know if that's what what you would call that color is that iridescent um, that's like an really... iridescent
1: maroonish color almost. Mm-hmm. you know, maybe hard to tell on YouTube. you got you know a, a little gloss to them. Uh, i'm gonna go I'm gonna go with maroon. Um, you know, Gator Ryan here, our boy Ryan from, from beautiful Jacksonville said stolen from the Delatory closet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I but again, wear those. going for about $2,000 a shoe right now.
2: Not that's 2000 a shoe, 2000 or 2000 for, for a pair, pair of shoes. For, My apologies. Yeah. For and
1: pair. then finally, let's get, uh, let's get Jason Marshall, uh, on here. This is the content that you guys are all looking for, right? So, uh, let's see if I can get a good Jason Marshall photo. There we are. One second here, um, but uh, but again, um, Jason Marshall goes black on black, goes with the bow tie. Uh, but you know, I guess the the big piece that we have here, Nick, and apologize for this this foe. This is what the internet's given us. Um, we've we've got uh, an M J mixture, a little little Michael Jackson, you know. Ipe logo for our, for our boy, Jason Marshall uh, would have maybe liked it the other way, but I guess, you know, when the J, you know, swings to the left, that would be a kind of an off center logo, but uh, shout out to Kevin camps, but that's, um, you know, that's a piece of drip right there, Nick.
2: Here's one for you down to throw in the private chat. You can get all three of them together. Um, and, and uh, it's, uh, the black on black was the look. Not princely, uh, but you get Jason Marshall and Ricky Pearsall, uh, two guys uh, opting for the black shirt. Um, is that business? Is that flash, flashy business? Perhaps.
1: You know, Nick, I I'm not a huge uh, black on black guy. Um, I I do know, you know, a, a little peek into my my past history. Uh, when I went to prom my senior year, I did the black mm. on black. Um, you know, but maybe maybe it's coming back, but you can you can see here, uh, you know, the guys are are, are dressed to impress. Uh Nick our uh Jason Marshall goes in with the uh the black Nike's green um outline, uh oh, off white. They're um, off white?
2: Uh that's off white was the brand. Those are oh. off white times
1: Nike. What do I know? Um and then there we are with with uh, with Ricky Pearsaw, and then you know Kingsley Aguak and ready to uh, you know fire off some trades on the uh, the day trading board. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, Nick, enough about the drip and the outfit. I, I'll say you won uh, for uh, the swag uh, awards last year or last week. But um, but the three of them spoke again. You know Kingsley mentioned that he didn't like those guys. Uh, got got a retweet from. Um, uh travis um jordan travis uh fsu quarterback saying uh you know hey a little bulletin board material uh but uh, nick what were your thoughts on on the three of them
2: yeah i thought i thought everyone was good um you, you i think the biggest thing in today's day and age um you don't want bullets and board material but this is also a chance in the age of nil to brand yourself and Guys have the opportunity to get in front of the biggest stage possible that isn't, you know, catching a touchdown, the national championship. This is the kickoff, um, of the season, uh, at least in my mind and a lot of people's minds the, when you get SC media days, that's the start of everything. So I think bringing these guys is, is a chance, not only a, a nice reward for them, for some older guys on the roster. You think Kingsley, uh, is a fifth year senior, Ricky's a fifth year senior, uh, and Jason Marshall, has the potential to be a first or second, late first, second round pick in, in the draft. One of the the better cornerbacks in a league that has the best cornerbacks uh, across the country. So I think that was a, uh, a a big opportunity for these guys to market themselves, to brand themselves, and then also you get to fly in a, in a private jet and go to Nashville. I think some of the guys would like some more time in Nashville. I think you, it's a quick trip. You're you fly up you. Go through the media car wash and then you're out of there. Mm. Um, would have enjoyed some more time on Broadway, probably.
1: Yeah, no good picture of uh, slick Rick looking out the uh, the window of the PJ. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's his first time on the PJ. I would imagine very few of them have actually had that that chance to fly in uh, one of the smaller planes that uh, that Florida has. But really not everyone's to- as
2: fortunate as you, Dan. Uh, some of us fly coach.
1: I've uh, I've only done it twice, Nick, and let me tell you, uh, if I could afford to do it every time. I mean, not much like a PJ out there, Nick, you know? (laughs) Uh, never, you know,
2: never been, Dan.
1: Never been. All right. So let's get into a couple of quotes, uh, from media days. Let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at the Gatorverse. first. Uh, they just had their, uh, exhibition game this past weekend. They did a fan fest over at Santa Fe, uh, college this past weekend. Looked like a huge overwhelming success. I know the players, uh, were all there together. They rented a house, uh, together, which is really, really cool. They had a big cookout and barbecue. I know Billy Donovan was there, um, I know uh, Todd Golden was there. I know a number of former Gator legends were there uh, in town. So uh, they did this as a, uh, an exhibition on uh, – pardon me. They did this uh, preceding an exhibition event that they had on Saturday at Santa Fe. looked well attended. Uh, looked like the crowd uh, was in it. But ultimately, a really cool event to support uh, NIL – uh, at the University of Florida, so go check them out. G A T A Verse V E R S E dot I O, and go support your athletes. They do have a TBT team that has Torian Green and Lee Humphrey. Uh, Matt McCall's the coach. Corey Brewers on the team. Uh, Igor Kulichev, a number of players. Uh, they're going to be teeing off here soon in Louisville. Are tipping off here in Louisville soon? So go support them. Go support the athletes. Gataverse dot I O. And uh, go support the uh, newest former Florida, our former, pardon me, geez, newest Florida Gator NIL platform. All right, so let's get into a couple of quotes uh, from Billy Napier. Uh, you know, starts off talking about vacation, that kind of stuff, uh, but then he gets into to SEC football. Um, you know, this is a, a quote that stuck out to me, uh, their passion, their competition, their desire to win. The margin of error is small in this league. We know that we lost five really close game, one score games, even into the final few minutes of the games, there's mismatched players, there's quality depth, combine that with caliber of personnel, the diversity of scheme and great coaching. And he goes on, uh, talks about the sec, but the thing that stuck out to me, Nick is You know, is Billy Napier saying, Hey, you know, I know our record, you know, finished six and seven. They lose those five games. Trying to temper, uh, you know, a little bit of the fan base to say, Hey, why'd we do so bad last year when he said, Hey, we were really in the game and, you know, five or or, or six of the the games that the Gators had.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of one possession games, one score games, uh, games you can point to one possession or two plays um that that could have swung it, you know, swung the balance in a different direction. So when you look at Florida's roster coming back, obviously there's a little bit uncertainty at quarterback. Uh, there was uncertainty going into last year. Um, I mm-hmm. thought, and, and I think this podcast thought that Anthony Richardson was, was him. Um, but we hadn't seen it yet. Cause he had, didn't have experience. Now you've got, a quarterback and Graham Mertz with more than 30. Billy loves talking about this. More than 30 starts, 32 to be exact. Um, and um, I think you bring back a lot of players. it For my money, I, I don't know if it is the best, but I don't know that you can find a much better running back room um, mm-hmm. than what Florida has um, with Etienne, Johnson, Cam Carroll, Treon Webb, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's as good as it gets. And then you look at the offensive line. Can Florida run the ball? Can Graham Mertz do enough uh, or Jack Miller? Can Graham Mertz or Jack Miller do enough to keep defenses honest? Um, and, and then looking at the defensive side of the ball, everyone I've talked to um, says that this is going to be an aggressive and aggressive style defense. They're going to come after the quarterback. They're going to blitz from different positions, different players, different spots on the field. Uh, and then what do you get from veterans in in RJ Moten and mm-hmm. Trahaejon Mitchell um so the defense i, I hate when fans say this cuz it can always get worse but like can't get the defense can't be much worse than it was last year uh please don't prove me wrong um on that um but the defense should be better florida's schedule is just brutal yeah it's just a brutal schedule um i i think i'm coming around last year i th- i thought Florida would be like six, seven wins. And then mm-hmm. I think as I, as the season got closer, I got wrapped up in, in all of the the podcasts I was doing and, and let you guys kind of talk me into like seven and a half, eight wins. I'm still sitting between like six, seven wins for this team. The schedule is just tough. You got to get some wins on the front end. Cause that back back portion of the schedule with Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, Florida state, um, a trip to Missouri, which is like the biggest trap game to me. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff, mo- more than likely. Um, there'll be eight thousand people at the stadium. It's late in November. It's going to be cold. Um, the sun normally doesn't show up in the state of Missouri in the in the month of November.
1: Um, yeah, just in general.
2: It goes it goes in on general.
1: vacation. It goes to Boone, North Carolina.
2: Yeah. Oh. Um, so, like, that's a tough. Like, you got to get some wins early on in the year for me. And, and there's opportunity. I'm not big on Tennessee. That's going to be Joe Milton, who I, we've seen a ton of. We've seen a bunch of Joe Milton, and I don't know why he's getting a Heisman hype uh, or dark horse Heisman hype. I think Florida can take care of business at home against Tennessee. Tennessee has not won in. Uh, the swamp in nine straight trips. It will be 20 full years of futility in Gainesville uh, for Tennessee if they lose this year, uh, which I I think I will be picking Florida to win. So to me, you have to win some of those close games um, and and you got to win early if if Mm -hmm. you're the Florida Gators because that back six games on the schedule was brutal.
1: Yeah. No, the the, the schedule of the next two years certainly is going to be challenging for the Gators, regardless of how talented they are or not. You know, this year you have Utah and Florida state. Uh, next year you have UCF Miami and Florida state at a conference. I think you throw on Sanford next year, this year you get UT Chattanooga and, who else? Nickel State or somebody else, Charlotte, Uh, Charlotte. So, you know, hopefully two wins there, but that Utah game is going to be a big deal, you know, as well. And then, like you said, Nick, I'm not as high on Joe Milton as you know, SEC writers seem to be. I know Andy Staples has come around on him. You know, he drafted him early. They had a, a, uh, a, a, Ten quarterback draft yesterday, him and, and Jesse Simington from uh, from on three there. Uh, I'm not super high on Joe Milton. Um, I think that Hendon Hooker kind of caught lightning in the bottle last year. Uh, you know, He took Joe Milton's spot. Um, Joe Milton struggled. You know, he was pretty good, but not great in high school. Obviously goes to Michigan, doesn't earn that spot, transfers to t- Tennessee. You know, now he's another, what, fifth or sixth year senior. Uh, just not um, – just not super high on him uh, the same way. Tennessee had a bad defense last year. They lost some talent. I don't think that they really replenished that either. Now, I think Josh Heupel is a is a good coach. He's a a good coach. You know, kind of reminds you a little bit of maybe a Dan Mullen. You know that his offense is always going to be strong. Uh, you know, but the defensive part of it makes me really wonder how much hype Tennessee's getting this year. Um, but anyway, let's get back to uh, to some more. If Joe
2: Milton, I'll, I'll take this stance. If yeah. Joe Milton is great then we just have to like tip our cap to Josh Heupel. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like Joe Milton's up, he's, he's okay. He's a fine mm. quarterback. Um, wasn't great at Michigan. Hasn't been great at Tennessee. If he, if Joe Milton goes off this year, then we just need to tip our cap to Josh Heupel and be like, listen, this clearly is just an offense and an offensive system that is easy for quarterbacks. And is going to highlight the quarterback. And, and we might start, might need to start studying what Josh Heupel is doing offensively, um, if he's going to, if, if Joe Milton has a Hendon hooker type year this year.
1: Right. Absolutely. Uh, so let's see. Uh, and then Billy Napier spoke to uh, Josh Pate of uh, two, four, seven there. I uh, thought it was a, a really good down to earth interview. Uh, here's what he had to say uh, about the team. Um, uh, trying to to set this up because there's a much longer quote, it, you know, talked about, you know, kind of what the difference. And we talked to, to Billy Napier uh, when we interviewed him a few months ago, kind of about the same question. Well, let, well let's just read the whole thing. So bear with us. Uh, I think in January, uh, you know, after the season, we went through an extensive detailed review of year one at Florida as an entire organization, each individual, each department, what worked, what didn't work, how do we adjust, how do we adapt, How do we evolve? We started that process getting our 23 team ready to go. This is a new group of players uh, that we have uh, and a few uh, staff dynamics. But one thing that I'm encouraged about is we have 97 percent of our team uh, that was with us in January. We had 27 mid-year players. We have a great group of veterans that have experience and wisdom from the past. We brought in an influx of young talent, and I feel really good about what we did in the portal. We added 10,000 starts, or pardon me, t- uh, 10,000 snaps, sorry, I'll typo here, 123 starts with that group. Uh, I'm excited about the compound effect we have uh, going into year two, the consistency of process, consistency in our systems. Uh, Nick, I think the 10,000 snaps, 123 starts, and we'll talk a little bit about a bit of a Freudian slip that he had with Graham Merch, but I think, you know, when you look at the transfer portal and what Florida was trying to do this year was to really fill gaps into where they feel like they needed to improve uh, and get better. And you look at guys like RJ Moton, Micah Mazuka. Uh, Cam Jackson, uh, Taraji Mitchell, um, you know, there, there's some, you know, other names that I'm sure that I'm missing there. Cam Carroll, right, mm-hmm. going in and beefing up some areas where they're weak. But more importantly, they just didn't go after the the former four-star, the former five-star. And we'll talk about Keontae Goodwin here in a moment. Uh, but they they went after players that have consistently been one, two, three-year starters or at least played significant playing time I think that when you look at transfer portal rankings, a lot of people looked at, you know, this is what Florida State did, or this is what that school did. You know, I think Florida went out and found a really good group of veterans that's going to help a very, very young team. What are your thoughts on, on what Napier said?
2: I think the, I think Florida did. We, I, I took some strong stances about how they handled the spring portal. I think Florida, as a staff, they're going to go through their process. That spring portal is not built for their process. It's speed dating. Um, it's Tinder, it's swiping. And in Florida was, is, is more in the 1800s. We need to court you. We need to sit down in your living room with, with our parents. Uh, and everyone needs to get to know each other. We got your verified height, length, speed, um, all of that. So, um, they, they also just didn't think that there was a ton of talent in the spring portal. So maybe they would, they would have altered the way that they were working but in that you can't in the first portal in December, you can't argue that they didn't get more talented, getting right. Cam Carroll, Micah mazuka um, Trahajan Mitchell, the guys they brought in are going to be instant impacts for the team. And and adding that kind of depth uh and experience and 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 I think will be invaluable for the team. So I, I think my my comments in the spring got kind of grew legs and ran, but like I think Florida's overall, Florida's transfer portal class is great. Um you're gonna get starters. Now I think you need to watch the health of some of these guys. You mm-hmm. know? What will Micah Mazooka look like when he gets back on the practice field? It's a shoulder surgery, um having gone through a labrum injury in high school, that's a lot of pushing. Pushing hurts. That's you need the, that that labrum tear that I had, you need to be able to the strength back to push and then you think what was the offensive lineman doing well they're pushing 300 pound men who are pushing back at them so that's something that um i'm going to want to see how does he look how does he look coming back from that from that injury um trahaja mitchell took a lot of time off in the spring and i think that was Mm -hmm. just load management but i expect him um probably to win that job over Derek wingo at middle linebacker there'll be a rotation but i think he'll be a guy that starts um and then I don't know if it's a surprise to me. I don't think it's much of a surprise, but I think RJ Moton will win a starting job next to Miguel Mitchell um, over Kamari Wilson. I wrote that um, on Saturday and uh, I, I think I'm excited to see what he looks like um, at, at safety. A guy yeah. who came in late in the portal. We didn't get to see him um, in, in the uh, spring camp, but I think he's a guy who uh, brings a ton of depth, a ton of experience To a room that had no experience and really no depth when you're moving over a fifth year wide receiver, just to fill out the room, it tells you all you need to know about what you thought of the depth going into, um, you know, spring camp at safety.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I, I liked uh, R.J. Moten take. And I know a lot of fans are excited about, you know, Kamari Wilson, not saying that Kamari can't be uh, a potentially good or great safety at the University of Florida. But I, I think when you look at what Florida desperately needs help in, you know, last year they got burned at safety numerous times per game. Right. You know, you need that experience. You need that reliable Person, right? Maybe it's not the biggest hitter, the flashiest player, or the fastest player, but it's that consistency, you know. And what Florida has now is options. And what's even great about those options, Nick, is that those options are continuing to grow. They've recruited really well, especially last year at the defensive back position. This year, they're doing pretty well. Uh, as well. Uh, you know, but but at the end of the day, Florida has a lot of stop gaps, right? You know, I think if you look at Florida's blue chip percentage count right now, it's sixty three percent, but a high majority of those guys our freshmen and sophomores, right? So now you go in, you find your Cam Jacksons, right? Be able to fill, you know, that gap in uh, uh, on the front of the defensive line there. You go and you find experience in a very athletic, highly ranked four-star guy at a high school, struggled with injuries at Ohio State and Taraji Mitchell, uh, RJ Mote. And again, a guy started at Michigan, you know, ultimately ends up losing his spot, but comes in good experience uh, there you go on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, you know, Graham Mertz and you can have your opinion on Graham Mertz. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a second, but again, 32 starts under his belt had a lot of success. You know, Wisconsin fired their head coach last year. Did Graham Mertz put up the numbers that, you know, being the 45th ranked you know player out of his high school class, probably not, but does that mean he's not talented? Does that mean that, you know, with the right coaching, the, the, the right, sports psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it might be that talks to them and, and really gets them mentally secure. Or is he able to make those short to intermediate throws where Florida really was hindered last year, right? Then you go and you get your, your Kim Carroll's, you go and you get your Micah Mazuka, who is a highly rated guy uh, on pro football focus from Baylor. You go and get Damian George uh, from Alabama, ultimately you get Keontae Goodwin as well, former five-star. We'll talk about him again in here in a second, but you go and you fill these areas and these gaps that Florida had. And, you know, maybe it's not the flashiest class, but you know, when you look at it, I'd take any of these guys right now. And this isn't me being a Homer overtaking the second ranked best tight end in the class. And that was Jaheim bell, right. Who scorched Florida for six total yards last year. So, again, I think that you need to add a, a little bit more, uh, thought into, to what Florida tried to do in the transfer portal. And, you know, when you think about it that way, when you look at it, the number of snaps, the number of starts, you know, I think that Billy Napier, you know, makes obviously a, uh, a great point there. Uh, Nick, let's get into the, uh, let's just put a, a quick pause, uh, on sec media days. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Keontae Goodwin. Keontae Goodwin, mm-hmm. uh, the, the former five-star transfer from Kentucky, uh, on Thursday was announced uh, – Friday, pardon me, was announced uh, that he's going to leave the program, apply for a NCAA a medical hardship waiver to transfer close uh, to his mother uh, who was diagnosed with cancer. So uh, our thoughts and prayers are, are with the Goodwin family right now. Um, but, Nick, want get, to uh, get your perspective on what that means for – the offensive line
2: yeah it um uh first off uh prayers and thoughts with with him and 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 his mother um and uh just hoping hoping but nothing for the uh, but nothing hoping for nothing but the best for them uh in in a tough situation i think you're you're making a probably a difficult but easy decision um when faced with something like that get closer to your mom be closer to family uh, and be a support system um, for Florida. I think it 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 changes the offensive line a little bit. Keontae and and Damien had kind of both played right guard, right tackle. Um, guard, uh, George more of a swing guy, um, but now I think Damien George, you have to look at him as your starting right tackle. Um, I know you got the guy from F, from FIU that that can't be your starter. Um, so you you need Damien George who. Cole Kubrick talked to Zach uh, Albaverde at SC Media Days and, and was talking just how highly Nick Saban viewed and valued Damian George, who was a starter in 21, lost his starting job after a bad Iron Bowl that season, um, but somebody that Florida will have to count on. And when I look at Florida's offense, you're going to have to run the ball. And, and I was fine. I felt good about Florida's offensive line. And then you look at well, Austin Barber was a little bit nicked up, played through it in the spring. Uh, Michael Mazuka ended up missing the spring. Uh, Cameron Waits probably won't be back from his Achilles injury. Um, Now you really start looking, okay, well, how many guys do you have left? You have, I think, 17 scholarship offensive linemen, including five that are freshmen. Um, You're going to have to get something out of Najee Harris. You might have to get something out of Roderick Kearney. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it's a position that is easily... Yeah, can easily be dinged up, can easily miss some games. Cyrus Torrance in his consensus All-American season last year missed a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida just doesn't have the depth. And I think it, it's fine. I think this coaching staff recruits well, uh, really mm-hmm. well this this class specifically. You're just going to have to – it's going to take time to reload, to get those numbers back to where, you, to where you need them to be. So right now, if Florida wants to be the team that we think they do and run the football – you got to start looking at, and, and at least in my perspective, worrying a little bit about what is the health of the offensive line, how are they, and and how will they hold up over a grueling 12, uh, 12-week schedule.
1: Yeah, no, Nick, you made a, a good point there. Let's look at the offensive line uh, real quick, some names that you uh, you didn't mention. I know Jalen Farmer, uh, the redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. 6'5", 307 pounds. Big He's point. a guy that's expected to play. Uh, You mentioned uh, Micah Mazuka, Austin Barber, um, you know, Riley Simmons, um, you know, probably not um – Gonna see much from him. Kingsley Aguakin, you know, again, a guy that Florida's gonna rely very heavily on. Uh there on the offensive line, the six foot three, three hundred and two-pound redshirt junior, who's already graduated, he's gonna finish his master's degree in December. So shout out to him. You know, Jake Slaughter, uh, a guy that you know Florida flipped uh, late in the cycle during his class. You know, is this his opportunity? Mm-hmm. Richie Leonard, the fourth, you know, again, a four-star. A uh, guy out of high school uh, is now in his third year. You mentioned Roger Kearney, uh, Lindell Hudson's the FIU transfer that you mentioned. Um, you know, but again, you look down and you just don't have a ton of snaps. You know, do you have some size? Yes. Do you have some talent? Yes. But now is the opportunity when you look through here, you know, Bryce Lovett, you know, is a, is a freshman. Uh, Christian Williams is uh, a red shirt freshman. Um Let's see. Caden Jones is a freshman. Hayden Clem is a, uh, a walk-on red shirt sophomore. Uh, Roger Kearney, uh, Brian Rosenberg is a, is a walk-on as well. Mark Pitts, a walk-on. Um, Jordan Herman, you know, again, a guy we haven't, you know, seen much about six foot eight, 371 pounds. So you name all of those names and you're like, okay, there's some talent, but that, experience level drops off drastically uh, after that starting five or that starting six. Yeah,
2: Herman's really impressive uh, physically. Um, He'll probably be asked to play. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Cameron Waits was a guy that would have been asked to play before the Achilles injury. Um, I think Jake Slaughter might be a guy that starts at left guard if Mike and isn't ready. Um, I, I think Richie Leonard will be your starting right guard. Damian George yep. at right tackle. Kingsley walking at center. Austin Barber's at left tackle. And then Micah Mazuka will be the starting left guard when he's healthy. Um, but how much – if he can't – let's say he can't go against Utah, uh, I think you'll see Slaughter and Najee Harris kind of split that role. It's an opportunity to get both of the guys some snaps. Jake Slaughter has been around for a while but hasn't really played a ton. And then Najee Harris, that'll be his first game. Right. Um, so in, in any kind of absence that Mike and Mazzucca will have, whether it's a game or two games, three games, uh, or maybe it's none. I think you start to try to get Jake slaughter, um, and, and get Najee Harris, some reps there. And and I think Roger Kearney is being groomed to be, uh, the next center. I think it was weird to me because Najee Harris played center in high school and Roger Kearney played guard and then they get to college and they were like, Hey, switch that. Yeah. Um. To me, that, that you're especially at center for Roger Kearney, who didn't play it in high school to then come in and the game's already faster. The players are bigger, faster and stronger. And now you've got more responsibility. So I think you saw some snap issues with him at the spring game. That's stuff that will get ironed out, not something mm-hmm. to be freaking out about uh, for the long term. And I think Roger Kearney's being groomed to be the starting center for the next two to three seasons uh, after Kings League walk-in. Finishes his doctorate degree uh, at Florida, <laughs> as as you pointed out. So, I'm not overly concerned. I think today I'm just like raising a little flag to be like, hey, there. This could be an issue if if some of these guys' timetables um, gets ticked back a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I think that you're exactly right, Nick. From a from a top five uh, perspective, I'm not worried. Maybe getting a six and seven, I'm not as worried you start to have multiple injuries, you know, there's, there's maybe some cause for concern, but you know, again, Florida has recruited pretty well. They've got uh, two coaches. They've got, probably four additional assistants and GAs and everything else. So a lot of different staff. they focusing, um, on that group. Uh, good brief pause here to give a shout out to our friends over at fan go tickets, go visit them at fan That's F A N G O tickets.com. Think of it as Airbnb for your season tickets. You can put your season tickets up there, uh, for the Tampa Bay lightning the Florida Gators. Um, Let's see. There's a there's a few others here in the state of Florida uh, off the top of my head that I'm that I'm missing. But uh, you can go and you can put on uh, your tickets. There's no fee if you go on and you want to get somebody's tickets for a game, but you can go and list your entire season tickets up there. You can list what games you want to put up there. You can list what games you don't want to, but it's an easy, seamless process for you to go on to fangotickets.com. Again, think Airbnb for your season tickets. The Florida Gators are on there. Tampa Bay lightning, Tampa Bay bucks, um, Cleveland Browns, if you're up in that area uh, as well. But go check them out, Fangotickets.com, started by a University of Florida graduate. So, again, go check them out. Brand new company. So anything that you can do, if you have season tickets, go ahead and list them there. Uh, Nick, we get into the defense. Uh, Obviously, the defense Gators struggle very, very much uh, on defense last year. Patrick Tony leaves and goes to the NFL. Um, I actually saw him – uh, he was on my
2: flight to Rome. Wow, saw Patrick Tony, uh, and his wife. Um, Courtney, on,
1: everybody, big fan um, of
2: the Gators. Courtney Tony was, yeah, big fan of Gator Nation. Um,
1: her saw and them on her- Mullen probably have a support group.
2: <laughs> former, former wives, uh, uh, wives of former Florida Gators coach support group meets every Wednesday.
1: Um, so, um, so yeah, you know, obviously Gators bring in, uh, Austin Armstrong to, to lead the defense. Uh, Billy Napier says, I think the key to playing really good defense, obviously, uh, start with great personnel. Uh, and I think having an identity playing complimentary football, I think we have decided to go the direction we have on defense. Cause we want to do that we have a great working environment, great collaboration between offense and defense. Nick, we're three sentences in. We haven't gotten much. Uh, it's important that you're on the same page throughout the entire offseason relative to scripting, scripting, installation practice format. I think the defense that you're describing there creates issues because of the variables. I think the variables not only up front, but the pressure variables to go along with the back yeah. and play good defense are a lot of factors, but I think your practice environment and your approach to complementary football are key. Nick, what do you take out of that paragraph word
2: salad yeah word salad um I don't know that well I know that Billy Napier feels this way I don't know if it if it works or if it makes sense but he wants to kind of keep things under wraps like there's so much tape and the coaches are going to know what Austin Armstrong's defense looks like he but Billy Napier is not going to be the one that tells you what it looks like uh before you see it so I think he wants to take people by surprise um but I, I, from talking to sources, from talking to players, from talking to coaches, uh, it's going to be an aggressive style of defense, and I don't know if it's going to be uh, Todd Grantham and Gage Eight, uh, you know, the the old Madden play. Um, but I think it's it's you've got a bunch of guys, you've got some really good cornerbacks. Um, Jalen Kimber's is a guy who we don't even really talk about that much. He had to play last year for the most part with a hand that needed surgery, um, playing with a club on. I think you've got some really good defensive linemen and princely a Iguac- uh or princely a princely umamielan um princely justice boone and then inside florida is just massive inside when you look at banks uh cam jackson um
1: desmond watson desmond watson large man
2: and and chris mcclellan so i think florida inside if, if it's a baseball terminology but billy napier said it also at said uh sc media days you have to be strong up the middle and last year i thought florida was strong up the middle you had a bunch of veterans at linebacker and safety but like a hundred starts between just your linebackers and obviously trey dean um you had a bunch of starts at safety at linebacker but you didn't have any kind of depth des watson i think was top five in snaps last year at 400 plus pounds uh you're not going to need him to be top five in snaps you're not going to need cam jackson or McClellan um, to be top five in snaps. You have a really solid rotation, and you can have a thousand pounds of human being um, at two defensive tackles and a nose tackle, depending on the formation. So Florida should be strong up the middle. I think they have really good corners, uh, cover, say, corner, cover corners in um, in Jason Marshall, and then whoever is going to play on, on the other side, whether it's Devin or Kimber or whoever takes that, that role, Jaden Hill. Um, I think you still need to figure out who's going to play nickel. Uh, is that uh, a Jadarius Perkins? Um, I, I don't think the Jaden Hill experiment worked out well in the spring. I don't think he no. is a nickel. So you're going to have to find a nickel, but Florida's going to be aggressive. And I think based on the size you have inside, um, guys who can go and get the passer uh, in, in Princely and Justice, I think Florida's defense should be better. On paper, I didn't expect them to be as bad as they were last year, but on paper heading into this year, I think they're better.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree 100%. I think that when you, when you start to think of talent, when you start to think of snaps, and then you ultimately think of where Florida was missing last year, right? It was the safeties. When the safeties are left exposed, that puts a lot of pressure on the defensive backs. Jaden Hill was injured. Jalen Kimber I give the guy credit. He played with a club for half the season. Um, but again, you didn't see a full healthy secondary there. You add in, you know, another season of Devin Moore, um, you know, growing and learning. You add in some of these freshmen who I expect to play uh, a little bit too. Uh, You know, linebacker. You know, Florida Ventro Miller did did great for the Gators last year. But again, when he's in wide open space and kind of left on an island, you can only expect so much out of him. They struggled to get to the pass uh, to, to the uh, to the quarterback last year. They stuffed to or they they struggled to stuff uh, at the line of scrimmage as well. You add in and you beef that up. You know, I know Princely, uh Uman milan who got the number one jersey. Nick, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think he wanted it. Um, so here's one thing: Billy Napier does not. He likes the history. Billy Napier does not care about jersey numbers. Um, there was a lot of locker room turmoil last year when Ricky Pearsall got number 1 there were a bunch of players who were like who is this dude from the Pac12 coming in and getting this number there's a ton of history with the number 1 and I don't know if it started with Keon Ratliff but that's at least to my knowledge kind of where it started with Keon Ratliff I talked to Rat uh after Princely's jersey change came out and Rat said I didn't even want number 1 I wanted number 5 uh and and, and coach just gave me number 1 um but when you look at the players who have worn that uh, between Percy, Kiwan, Janoris Jenkins, Percy yeah. Harvin, um, Reggie Nelson, Vern, mm-hmm. Vernon Hargraves, there's a lot of history. That number means something to the fan base. And, and I think I've told Billy Napier before, he just doesn't he doesn't care. It's just mm-hmm. a number uh, to him. But I think if you're looking at anyone on the defense that probably would have deserved it, uh, I think it would be Princely. and. and yeah. Now you have to, what comes with that? The fans expect a certain level of play coming from somebody in that jersey. Uh Princely wanted the jersey, and now he'll have to live with those expectations as well. The last guy who wore him on defense certainly did not live up to any of the expectations and didn't even make it the entire season before right. being kicked off the team, before being asked to leave.
1: Yeah, no Nick, I think you make a a great point there. So, you know, Prince Lee, Ume Milan, you, you add him, uh, you know, I think that he's going to be a guy that really surprises this year, ends up making third team all SAC preseason. We'll talk about that. Uh, list here in a moment as well, but, but just looking at the defense, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to pull up the uh, the roster here, you know, I expect Jakeem Jackson uh, to play. You know, we mentioned Jason Marshall. We mes- m- mentioned Jalen Kimber. We mentioned Jaden Hill. Does a guy like Dejon Johnson play or Dijon Johnson play? Um, you know, Devin Moore, you know, going into his sophomore year. Those are the guys that are going to be heavily relying on. And, and I'm confident, right? You can even add in Sharif Jackson there, um, a guy that probably, you know, wasn't talked about a bunch because Jakeem Jackson was the higher ranked guy. Sharif Denson just kind of made his commitment and then just kind of went away and did his thing. And I had a couple of visits in there. People were concerned about Miami uh, and uh, and John Ruiz, but, you know, comes in, but a really talented group. Um, you know, I, I like Jason Marshall and either Jalen Kimber or Devin Moore or Jaden Hill. However, that group of two or three works out. You know, I think they make a great point about nickel. Um, on the defensive line, you know, Chris McClellan, a guy that, you know, showed some flashes last year, committed when Florida didn't even have a coach last year. Uh, Will Norman, a guy that we've talked about on this pod, has been getting a ton of praise by his coaches. Again, a lot to expect, you know, out of a freshman, but again, the six foot four, 293 pound player, uh, I expect to see him this year. Des Watson, 6'5, 439. Uh, obviously, we've talked about him. Jalen Humphreys, make or break year for the guy. Um, you know, redshirt junior, does he get a lot of playing time? Who knows? Caleb Banks, the transfer from Louisville. We've talked a lot about Cam Jackson, you know, the transfer from, uh, from Memphis. Caleb Banks, a guy that, People were high on, didn't have a ton of snaps there at Louisville, you know, but again, six foot six, three hundred and twenty-three pounds there. Uh Tyreek Sapp, you know, redshirt sophomore. Is this his breakout year? Right. Um, you have Gavin Hill, you have Jamari Lyons, you have, you know, some some names on here. And then obviously you you finish with Cam Jackson there on everything but the edge. And then you look at Princely Uman and Milan, Kelby Collins, a guy that flashed in the spring and you know has been taught to have very heavily. Justice Boone. Showed some flashes last year. TJ Cersei, the, the highly ranked uh, you know, four star, Cameron James. Uh, you know, he's coming over. Uh, Jack Pyburn. Um, so again, you're you're talking about a list of names that again, young limited experience, but you know, this is you know, an opportunity where Florida really can get better, in my opinion, and getting after uh the pass rusher and setting that edge at linebacker. We haven't mentioned Shamar James could be a breakout year for him. Derek Wingo, Scooby Williams, Taraji Mitchell, Deuce Spurlock, the transfer from Michigan, uh, Jane Robinson, the freshman Manny Nunnery, the transfer from Houston that I've heard some good things about. Um, let's see. And then you have the, the transfer from temple, Kenny and a uh, so again, inside linebacker, you've got some, uh, You got some players there as well. Now it's a matter of them, you know, putting it all together and then going to safety. We have Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell, Jordan Castell, the freshman, R.J. Moten, Bryce Thornton, Jadarius Perkins, Dakota Mitchell, and Jamarcus Weston, the the former wide receiver that moved to safety. Don't know how much you can expect out of him, but that first, you know, six names, Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell, Jordan Castell, R.J. Moten, Bryce Thornton, and Jadarius Perkins – I expect to hear from this year and throw in Dakota Mitchell as well. A lot of guys, a lot of guys, a lot of unproven guys, Nick. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's, that's going to be part of it. You're going to have, uh, as you, as you start to take over a team and listen, Mel Tucker was able to catch, you know, like lightning in a bottle at Michigan state by going through the portal. Um, you're watching Mike Norvell at Florida state build his team through the portal. Um, the question of is that sustainable uh, comes to comes to mind. It's not, it has not been sustainable for Michigan state. Uh, Mel got the, got the bag, uh, but the team was terrible last year. And they'll, what, what would they look like this year? Uh, Florida state, everyone's talking about Florida state as a top 10 team, a playoff dark horse. I think Jordan Travis is great. They, they got a bunch of guys back Jared reverse, got, got a bunch of guys back and added some big names in the portal. I think what you've seen Billy Napier do is really focus on rebuilding the team through high school recruiting while adding pieces that can play significant playing time in the interim um, through the portal. So I, I like the way that they're building. I, I think this staff is really dedicated to recruiting at the high school level, um, and, and that should be exciting. It Does it make for an instant change, instant success? No. Uh, I think Florida will struggle at times this year. Uh, that's why I'm not overly concerned about what is the overall record this year. Florida's not mm-hmm. going to win the SEC. They're not going to win the SEC East. They're not going to compete to beat Georgia and win in the win the SEC. But do you see progression? Um, those guys that are freshmen, I think, have an opportunity to get valuable playing time um, this year. And, and you start building for 2024 w- with another absolutely brutal, <laughs> brutal schedule.
1: So again, a lot of names that we mentioned there, a lot of unproved, unknown, um, you know, skill, but again, highly ranked guys, guys that you should, you should expect things from, right? And that's ultimately where Florida needs to get back to is when they get these highly ranked freshmen, are they able to get them in? Are they able to get snaps? Are they able to improve and get better? Um, you know, but there's there's a lot of reason to be excited, although it can be cautious optimism. It could even be Dan's a homer and he's just rattling off all these names because he just read through the roster. Right? <laughs> but, you know, when you look at linebacker, you get a lot more athletic. Ventral Miller struggled in coverage last year. Right. Shamar James, a lot more athletic. Taraji Mitchell could be a lot more athletic. Deuce Spurlock, a guy that's very athletic, you know, we'll see if it transfers over to the SEC. Um, Manny Nunnery, you're you're talking more athleticism out of these guys. Hopefully it all, uh, for the Gators' sake, gets uh, put into practice. But again, it's hard not to be excited about some of these young guys, your Kelby Collins, your TJ Circes, those kind of folks. Uh, let's get back into some things that he said uh, at SEC Media Day's all right. Um, dealing with transition, um, I think I've had the transition question quite a bit. I think there's three really variables that were a really big adjustment. Uh, there's no question the pace of recruiting. This is my first time at the Power Five level with an early signing period, and how that has affected the recruiting calendar, the workflow, the evaluation process, and the recruitment process. Quick pause there. We talked to to him about this, and you know when he came over, he had five weeks. Six weeks before early signing. No, just a few weeks, pardon me, before early signing. I think it was three. You're trying to bring on a staff. You're trying to close on some of these guys. You know, you get in a Devin Moore. You get in a Kamari Wilson, but really only a few weeks. By the way, you're also trying to hire 100 staff members, including coaches. Picking it back up. There's definitely been an adjustment. I think year one to year two, we've made good improvements in that area. I also think it's a heck of a year to take over a program with the portal and NIL coming to the forefront. Those were challenging. In particular, you're trying to establish trust in a really short amount of time. And those create a dynamic on your team that can be challenging so i think we've come up with a really good system to attack those areas and i'm pleased with the progress we're making again each part of this is very fluid and we'll continue to adjust and adapt as we go but i'm very pleased with the year one to year two transition um relative the recruiting calendar nil and certainly the portal nick what are your thoughts
2: yeah um it's 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 kind of what I was talking about the way that they're deciding to build and you can build for instant success flash in the pan or or build for the long term. And and I think what if you look at what Dan Mullen was able to do, he won with Jim McElwain's guys. They won early. They won quickly. Um, and then the way that Dan and his staff recruited, they didn't have the players to continue winning and they weren't recruiting at that level. And and I think maybe some of us were short-sighted, uh, short-sighted in, in what the process was going to be. What was Billy Napier inheriting? And what would he have to do um, to to turn this around? And I think the, the option they did was a complete teardown. We're tearing it down to the foundation and, and building it back up. So uh, you have to nail some things in the portal just to stay competitive. But I think they're building, like I said before, they're building – um, through high school recruiting and building the right way, and then also I think you have to nail your quarterback. They went through an exhaustive search, in in, in Billy Napier's words, to land on Graham Mertz. Um, but to me, if you're not in win now mode, um, you're building for the future. And and there's not a better quarterback in my mind. I know there's some guys rated higher than him. Whether it's on on three or two four seven or rivals, but there's not a better guy to build around than DJ Lagway, just as a person, mm-hmm. as a prospect, and as a player. So you're building your roster for when your quarterback gets to your team in December. Uh, yes, you have 12 games, 13 games before then, but you're building for that in, in my mind.
1: Yeah, maybe even 15 games. Nick, who knows? You know,
2: probably not. Probably not 15. Probably
1: games. not 15 games. Uh, no, I think that you can see. Uh, you know, transitioning to any new job is hard. You know, imagine taking over an organization that's that's struggling and you're expected to turn around uh, mm. right away. Um, you know, that doesn't happen often at the Fortune 500 level. It doesn't happen at the Fortune 1000. And it often doesn't even happen at the, the SMB size of business, right? Does it,
2: um, uh, what about the penny stock size?
1: The penny stocks, uh, Nick, the the investment in my future has been poor, um, mm-hmm. On one particular stock, we are breaking records each and every week. I've never found a stock, Nick, in my entire life, and I have a few dollars invested in the stock market these days that has ever consistently gone down three to five percent every day. The thing about going down three to five percent every day is you can you could theoretically go down forever. Uh, but again, I'm sure you're wondering, Harrison. I know you're watching. Have the financials been released for my life wallet investment? Of they course, haven't. by now. Um, we are, we are probably 54 weeks since the last actual financials came out. We are, we are riding the struggle bus. Um, and I think our CEO is, uh, realizing, uh, that his nonsensical tweeting and lack of focus on my investment, um, is no longer the best path to build good favor with investors. So he has since stopped tweeting, much to my dismay. Um, but I think that when you take over any organization, going back to the actual point here is is it takes time, right? Some things happen quick. Sometimes you can have a really quick turnaround and sometimes you can't. It doesn't necessarily mean that the person that was hired uh, is the right leader forever. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work out. But when any time that you're taking over an entity that has been struggling and has the need to make a change at the top level position, that this is going to take time and not everything's going to be perfect and you're not going to agree with everything but you have to be able to buy into their vision and i think the way that you look at the staff that he's built around the way that he's been able to replace some of his staff members that have been lost and then you look at areas where they struggled they struggled in NIL seemingly getting figured out florida victorious is obviously and the gateverse have been great assets to that you know but that's starting to get figured out a little bit more from a high school recruiting perspective i mean it's hard to look at florida and say hey Things haven't gotten better. Right now, Florida is the number three class in the country. They're ahead of Alabama right now. They're ahead of all their in-state rivals. They're number two in the SEC. That's where you want to be, right? You got to continue to build talent. You got to continue to get better. And, you know, Florida didn't finish the last two recruiting classes where they probably wanted to finish, but things are getting better and you're making that steady improvement that now you continue all of those names that we just mentioned, right? Hopefully those aren't just names in the future. You have to build off that. You have to trust your ability to go out, recruit, identify, and ultimately secure that talent. Um, But right now it seems like a lot of those transitionary period uh, things that really plagued Florida are seemingly getting a lot better, at least from what I can tell. And probably one of the biggest things that you can notice is, obviously they had some staff turnover, you know, you had some coaches go to the NFL and, and stuff like that. But from a support staff perspective, they kept probably 90% of that support staff in place. Those are the keys and the building blocks to the future.
2: Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's important to stay the course. Um, Just society that we live in right now is instant gratification. You want it now. And, and, there wasn't a lot to hang your hat on in 2023. There might not be a lot to hang your hat on in 2024. I think you need to win games at home. You need to win a rivalry, beat Tennessee, beat Florida State. If you can win those two games, even in a six and six regular season, I think that shows okay, you're you're making progress. These are games you lost a year ago. Um, but games that you're now winning, even when the roster isn't where it needs to be.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's give a quick uh, pause and do a quick sponsorship announcement to our friends at home field apparel wearing one of their shirts right now. So go visit homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use promo code StadiumGale at checkout. It'll get you 15% off of your first order. Uh, you guys know the work around that if you've ordered more than once. Uh, but again, probably about 20 different university of Florida t-shirts. Uh, they also have a really cool starter looking jacket with the old fighting gator logo on it that I think is really, really cool. Uh, I don't know if I have enough swag to pull it off, Nick, but I'm sure silk does. Uh, and you do as well, but, uh, go check them out. HomefieldApparel.com. Premium cotton. Feels great. Lightweight. Uh, really good product. So, again, go check them out. HomefieldApparel.com. Promo code Stadium and Gale. All one word at checkout. Nick, I think that that is going to uh, wrap up. Uh, SEC media days, any additional thoughts uh, before mm-hmm. we get into uh, where you guys as the media ranked them and and everything else?
2: Um, one, a Freudian slip uh, from oh, Billy yeah. Napier on Andy Staple's show. Um, I have it pulled up. Andy was talking to him about the team um, and, and the systems on offense. And, and Billy Napier said, ultimately, we have a great system. That distributes the ball depending on how the defense aligns. We just need Graham to make great decisions. Florida has not named a quarterback. Uh, I don't think anyone will be surprised when Graham Mertz is named the starting quarterback. Maybe Jack Miller will be, Um, but it's what we've expected. We've expected Graham um, to win the job. He came in as a guy who has a ton of starts. He has 31 more starts despite or actually they've been in the college around the same time, 31 more starts than, than Jack Miller. Um, and, and I think it's Graham's job to lose. And it has been since he got to Florida. And I think Billy Napier knows that. And despite not wanting to say it, I think there was a little Freudian slip there uh, when talking to Andy.
1: Yeah, No, I think that you can expect Graham Mertz for at least this season to be the starter. All Got right. two years of eligibility left. Got two years of eligibility left. All right. So, Nick, the preseason football media poll and all SEC teams were announced. Nick, did you vote in this or did you have to be present to vote? I voted. Okay. All right. So, in the Eastern Division, you have Georgia finished first with 265 first place votes. Tennessee second with 14 First place votes, then South Carolina with three, then Kentucky with one, then Florida comes in fifth in the Eastern division, then Missouri, and then Vanderbilt. But an important thing to note, Nick, Vanderbilt, third in the SEC East Mm -hmm. with eight first place votes. Nick, speak for your profession.
2: Yeah, I think there's a bunch of people. Uh, they, they really like to tout how many media members <clears throat> um, get credentials for this, and I think they would credential Stadium and Gale if we wanted to go to Dallas. Whoa, next whoa, year. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm just saying if Stadium and Gale wanted to go to Dallas and sit on Radio Row, we
1: could probably do that next year.
2: Um, isn't
1: it in Dallas next year? Yeah, yes, you said? that's what I just okay. said. Yes, sorry,
2: I missed. You. Um, but. Uh, I think some people try to be funny. Uh, to me, it just takes away the validity of these preseason polls. The fact that Vanderbilt has a single non-last place vote um, takes away the validity of the poll. It's a team mm-hmm. that I think won one SEC game last year, maybe. Huh?
1: Um,
2: two, one, one or two, beat Florida. Um, but that it's, it's not funny to me if if that was your vote yes
1: yeah eight eight jokesters in the crowd out of 291 that voted uh, on the east but again that orders georgia tennessee south carolina kentucky florida missouri and vanderbilt on the western division um i didn't know we called them eastern and western divisions i thought they were just the east division and the west division but uh, this is from secsports.com, so I'm going to trust them. Uh, Alabama finishes first with 165 votes. Close second, LSU uh, with 117. Texas A&M uh, third. They get one lone first-place vote. Got to know who that person is. Got to pull their credentials, too. Then Ole Miss. Then Arkansas gets three first-place votes. Auburn, four first-place votes. And then finishing out the Western Division, Mississippi State, who gets one first place vote. Nick, your thoughts on the on the West. Who'd you vote for, Alabama or LSU?
2: I voted for LSU. Also, then going back to the East, I had Florida third. Um, I think behind Tennessee. I think Tennessee will have two SEC, three SEC losses uh, with Alabama. Um, and I also have Florida beating them. I think Florida loses to Kentucky, though. And I've said that before. Um, Mark Stoops coach circles around Dan Mullen. I think he coach circles around Billy Napier last year. Uh, He's built a team in his likeness for a decade now. I think he's been at Kentucky for more than 10 years. Um, And just an unbelievable uh, defensive coach and defensive game, uh, game call, play caller, game planner. Um, And Florida has to go up there. I don't know what Devin Leary will be, um, uh, especially coming off of the injury. Florida Um, didn't
1: look at him. Florida passed on him. Florida passed on him. There was interest. Yes.
2: So um, the East kind of to me is Georgia and then the six other teams. Uh, And then the West, I think, is a little more interesting with with LSU and uh, and Alabama. Uh, Texas A&M, I'm really interested. I think that's going to be. Uh, made for TV with Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher. Is Petrino calling plays? Is Jimbo calling plays? What's the dynamic behind closed doors? And then uh, do we see them yelling at each other on the sideline, Uh, you know, during games? So that to me is really interesting. Um, But uh, to me, it's, it's a two team race in the West and then uh, Georgia and the other guys in the East.
1: Uh, speaking of uh, a comment that you just made, we, we skipped over it. Uh, Billy Napier said that he will still keep uh, calling plays for the Gators. Uh, we've talked a lot about it uh, on this show. You get to a certain point uh, in your career because you've done one thing You know, for, for Billy Napier. He got hired to be a head coach for the first time because of his ability to call offense. Built up Louisiana. Ultimately, you know, a lot of these guys feel, you know, once they get that experience, they they do feel like the smartest person in the room. Sometimes that ego can come down and bite them. Sometimes they're somebody that likes to to pass off that responsibility and are okay with doing that. But you also have to remember that these guys got to that level because of that experience as well. But Billy Napier will be calling plays, uh, whether you are a fan of that or not. SEC champion. Um, These are the schools that received votes. Georgia, 181 points, then Alabama, 62, LSU, 31, Tennessee, 5, Vanderbilt, 5, Arkansas, 2, Auburn, 2, Texas A&M, 1, Mississippi State, 1, and South Carolina, 1. So of the eight people that voted on Vanderbilt to win the SEC East, they, whoever the corresponding team in the West is, they have Vanderbilt going five and three against those programs. So uh, Nick, uh, Georgia, I think a very easy selection for uh, SEC champion. Then you have Alabama, LSU, then Tennessee and Vanderbilt. But it seems like a three-team race there with Georgia, Alabama and LSU. Um, let's get into the 2023 preseason media days all SEC team, Nick, you have to go down to the third team in which you see Trevor ETN on offense. And then um, on defense, pardon me, you have Prince and Milan and Jason Marshall uh, as a third team on a defense mm-hmm. respectively. Are you surprised there's not more? Do you think any names missing? Tyron Hopper, former Florida Gator linebacker is on the second team. Uh, he's at Missouri now, but Nick, any, any thoughts there? I don't,
2: I don't know why Montrell Johnson's not getting any of the hype to me. Johnson ETN are, are so similar. So and not, not similar in their play style, but like in production projections, production value to me, um, I think those guys are, are so similar. And, and Montrell Johnson is not being talked about at all. Um, so you
1: think it's all name recognition with the, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't
2: know. Cause like Montrell rushed, nearly rushed for a thousand yards as a freshman. Uh, granted it was in the Sun Belt. comes to Florida, leads the Gators in, yards, carries, touchdowns, uh, and then is nowhere to be found on any of these lists. So to me, I, it's, Tim, I, I'm looking at that and I'm like, he's getting, Montreal's getting snubbed um, on, on some of these lists. I don't know that, li- listen, I, I can't get angry. I can't sit here and say, I think Florida's a six-win six team, seven-win right. team, and then make a gigantic case for, well, they should have some guys on the first team all SEC. Like could Jason Marshall be that? Yes. Did his production in his play last year warrant it? No. Uh was he used correctly? I don't think so. And, and and if used correctly this year, uh more press man, then yeah, I think he'll be on a postseason first team or second team. Um but his play in 2020 2022 didn't warrant him to be on uh the 2023 first team in the preseason. And uh Princely, I think, is a guy, if he gets to double digit sacks, could find his way on a first team uh preseason all, or postseason all SEC list. But uh to me, I think I, I don't understand why nobody's talking about Montrell outside of like maybe a couple people in Gainesville. But nationally it seems like everyone is Trevor Etienne, uh and nobody's talking about Montrell when in my mind they're kind of interchangeable.
1: Right. No, I would a hundred percent agree. And I, I do think a little bit of it has to do with some name recognition, some other names that, you know, again, you're, you're not talking about a lot of people, you know, Ricky Pearsall is a guy that, you know, Florida fans are high on. There's only six total receivers, uh, seven total, pardon me, that got selected. Uh, for some reason, the second team has three wide receivers. Maybe they tied. looks like they did. I uh, don't think that, you know, Ricky Pearsall is necessarily better than any of them. Um, strangely they don't choose two tackles, two guards in a center uh, for the offensive line. They just choose one center and four offensive linemen. I think uh, Austin Barber is a guy whose name could be there on there uh, at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, I don't think that there's a, a lot of names missing. Um, you know, unfortunately Florida doesn't get any love at the, uh, at the punter position, Nick, uh, I know that you're probably disappointed enough. about that. Um, but uh, you know, again, you know, this is an opportunity for Florida to really go and, and show out, right? There's there's zero to very low expectations of this team and how they're going to perform. You have a lot of just names that are there, so this is the opportunity uh, to go in, in and and compete and try to prove that that you deserve more than three names uh, on this list. But we do want to give a a quick congratulations to Jason Marshall. Prince Uman Milan and Trevor Etn for making that list. Um, Nick, let's get into the cookout. Um, we may be there. This is a recruiting talk. Uh, Stadium and Gale may be pulling up. So um, a good opportunity for the three of us to get together. Uh, but before we do that, Nick, uh, before we get into recruiting talk, let's give one final shout out to our sponsor that keeps this show going home field or uh, pardon me. Uh, go visit alumni hall. Friends over at Alumni Hall on Archer Road or go visit them online at alumnihall.com. That is where you're going to find your coaches' polos, your Nike and your Jordan gear, uh, your cookout accessories, your tents, your blankets, your uh, ornaments for the Christmas tree, your grilling supplies, whatever it might be. Alumni Hall has the best selection of Florida Gators clothing, accessories, and uh utilities, things of that nature in all of Gainesville, Florida. So go visit them, alumnihall.com or go visit them on Archer Road. That Lululemon that I talked about before is not there anymore. So it is on Archer Road. Um, It is just past the new Chick-fil-A right there on the corner. You know it, alumnihall.com, the best of Florida Gators apparel in Gainesville. Nick, we've got an exhaustive list here, my friend. So I'm going to go through this. I'm going to do down. my best. I'm going to do my best. This is 2024 and 2025 uh, list. We are going to start with some commits uh, and uh, and then go from there. So confirmed plans to visit: five-star quarterback DJ Lagway, five-star safety Xavier Filasame, four-star linebacker Aaron Childs, four-star linebacker Miles Graham, four-star wide receiver Jeray Tank Hawkins. Four-star linebacker Darius Hayes. All Gator commits. Four-star cornerback Jamari Howard, who's looking at UF, UF, or UF, FSU, Miami, Michigan State, and UCF. Commits again. Amari ja- or Amir Jackson, four-star tight end, four-star edge. Kendall Jackson, not a long commute for him uh, there in uh, Gainesville. Uh, four-star cornerback Wardell Mack, who is a Texas, LSU, and UF battle. Four-star linebacker, three-star on on three. Jamonte Waller, uh, four-star offensive tackle, and new commit Fletcher Westfall. Four-star edge Amaris Williams, three-star defensive like uh, uh, defensive lineman. Pardon me, Micah Boyro, Boyro, three-star safety Josiah Davis three-star cornerback, Teddy Foster, three-star offensive lineman, Marcus Mascall, three-star offensive lineman, Noel Uh coming from Germany um, in Schwabish Hall, and three-star offensive lineman, Mike Williams. A ton of Florida commits, a few that are uncommitted, but you get most of the class here And then 2025 players that are going to be attending five-star safety DJ Pickett, the number eight player in the country, four-star linebacker Tarvos Alford, the number 10 linebacker in the country, four-star running back Waltez Clark from Plant High School here in Tampa, Florida, one of U.S. top targets, four-star wide receiver Kobe Howard, the number 45 player in Florida, four-star linebacker Riley Pettijohn, from Texas, the number four or number nine overall player in Texas, pardon me. Four star offensive tackle, Owen uh, Straybig, uh, who's a top 100 national recruit from uh, from Wisconsin. Four star safety, Hilton Stubbs, uh, from uh, from Varys High School, Mandarin High School, there in beautiful, stunning Jacksonville, Florida. He's a top 100 national recruit. Four star defensive lineman, Jalen Wiggins. Uh, from Tallahassee, he's visited Florida a number of times. Three-star cornerback, Chris McCorkle. Uh, teammates with Teddy Foster. Um, Florida leads in his recruitment. A very different kind of cornerback than Teddy Foster. Uh, Teddy's a more boundary guy. Uh, long strider. Uh, this is kind of your more Jason Marshall type. Uh, solid guy. He's a three-star right now. I see him going up higher. Uh, unranked wide receiver, Javon Boggs from Coco. And uh, unranked defensive lineman James Morrow uh, from Buford, Georgia, Florida, just offered him. And finally, Zay Mincy, four-star cornerback from Mainland. Uh, it looks to be a UF-Alabama battle. Could visit uh, Alabama on July 29th. I know Florida's really high on him, uh, but it'd be great to, uh, to swing that one from Alabama. So, uh, Nick, gave you uh, a cavalcade of names any that you're excited about? Um, what do you think about uh, this barbecue event?
2: Yeah, it's um, I I I think the days of Friday Night Lights are numbered. Um, you're starting to see a lot of these barbecue events. Um, guys, the the recruiting calendar has changed a lot. Um, everyone, you know, started copying Friday Night Lights to, to death, um, and and I think guys are done with you know, having to camp this late in, in the cycle. So to me, uh, when you're getting uh, trying to get a big recruiting event, hey, let's have a nice, relaxed environment. We don't need to be to having guys run and test and cover and, and lift and do all these kind of things. Let's just have a relaxed environment, get some good food, ha- invite parents, families, and, and, and get people here to have conversations with them, talk to them, show them. Uh, what it would be like to be at the University of Florida without, uh, you know, football. Because uh, most of what the guys will do is not playing football. Um, so I think that's a good idea. And then when you start looking at the guys who aren't committed, uh, when you have so many guys coming in who are committed, Xavier Filsimi, uh, DJ Lagway, Miles Graham, Darius Hayes, guys like this. Then, okay, well, what about Jamari Howard, who's coming in, uh, mm-hmm. who isn't committed? A cornerback that you'd like to to add to your roster. Uh, Wardell Mack, uh, cornerback from Louisiana. Um, to me, it's when you get this many commits on. Who are the guys that you're targeting, and how can your commits kind of do your job for you in recruiting?
1: Yeah, 17 commits on campus. And Nick, we talked about it back in uh, June. Uh, You know, Florida had a visit where they had a ton of players uh, come on campus. I think they had 12 official visitors Uh, over the next couple of weeks. Eight of them committed to the University of Florida. There's an excitement. There's an energy about being around those players. And, you know, for a guy like Jamari Howard, for, um, you know, a guy like potentially Zay Mincy, for a Wardell Mack, right, does that kind of excitement – intrigue you to pull the trigger right and then you start to look at 2025 guys you know florida you know right now sits with 21 commits uh in this class we've talked about it on this program no official number probably somewhere around 25 to 27 obviously you want to fill up uh, as many spots as you can uh but you have 25 to 27 uh in this class you have 21 right now you have 17 of those uh coming for this cookout but does this start to impact you know some of these 2025 guys uh, that are coming on a campus? Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just what we have as of Monday, July uh, 24th. We still have five days. You can expect some names. You might even expect a name uh, to fall off of here. But Ultimately, I love this. Shannon Snell is going to be cooking out for them. You get the opportunity to build that camaraderie. You get that opportunity for them to build that relationship with each other because these are their, their brothers in the trenches, right? So um, I'm excited about what this event has become. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to potentially being up in Gainesville this weekend. Uh, Got to put some sunscreen on. Uh, Got to bring an extra fan. Uh, but uh, Gainesville will be popping uh, this weekend. Uh, LJ McCray, uh I know a name that, that fans have asked. Um, you know, there's a, a a chance that he could go to uh, to Georgia this weekend. That wouldn't be great.
2: Deal. Yeah,
1: not not ideal, not ideal, uh, but uh, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I know there's an offensive lineman, Ori. I don't expect him um, to uh, to to make it um, as well. But uh, but again, LJ McCray uh, is not uh, likely expected uh, in Gainesville this weekend. So um, you know, again, that's what we have. University of Florida. Uh, let's see, Michael. Fasusi will be uh, in town uh, as well. Uh, He just announced on Twitter he's a five-star athlete uh, at a Louisville, Texas. Texas, pardon me. He announced that that he will be uh, into. Actually, he's coming for right before the barbecue. So that's my mistake. Um, So yeah, uh, Gators also lost uh, four-star linebacker, twenty twenty-five guy Elijah Melendez from Kissimmee Osceola High School. Um, he's going to be going to Arkansas this weekend. So I know at one point he was expected uh, to make it, but fantastic weekend uh, for the Gators uh, grilling out uh, in the swamp. So Nick, that takes us to the end of our program today, my friend. Uh, It's good hanging out with you. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? And I want you to start thinking about a song of the week.
2: I have a song of the week ready. Um, No final thoughts from me. uh, Relationship ribs. Uh, Might have to put it in an order for a relationship ribeye. Um, if we're, if we're all going to head out there this week, that would be fun. Um, and the next week we're going to start breaking down, uh, position rooms. So look out for that. We hope to get silk back next week, unless he becomes a, you know, a a bootlegger up there, uh, making moonshine and, and running it down to the people.
1: I can see I can see silk doing moonshine some some way to get a vegetarian moonshine out there uh, for the fan bases it's what we've all wanted Uh, but again we appreciate you guys joining in Uh, again if you're listening to uh, us on apple and you click the link on x uh, formerly known as twitter uh, please go like and subscribe or subscribe again please go rate us there please leave us a review it helps us a ton if you're watching on youtube Please hit that like button. Please hit the subscribe button in the top right-hand corner. Or there's a little thing uh, that's orange that says subscribe. You can just hit there right on our video. Uh, We appreciate you guys watching each and every week. We will be back whenever there is breaking news. Other than that, Nick, take us out with the song of the week.
2: Uh, This guy, I'm old, so I didn't see him on TikTok. But I saw him on Reels, which I think is where – TikToks go once they've become very popular right. on the more popular social media app. Uh, but Cooper Allen used to do uh, funny songs, um, or you know, for TikTok in a country style. He has an unbelievable country music singer voice. This song is with a guy named Spencer Crandall. First time I heard him, uh, it's called "Didn't Do" by Spencer Crandall and Cooper Allen
1: perfect well nick we will see you potentially on saturday and if not same corner same time next week thanks everybody for joining in and we will see you next week
0: sometimes i catch myself living like i'll never die i'll be down here forever that i get another try so i say i'll start tomorrow i'll ask around next week Now go out another night when I'm caught up on sleep. But lately I've been thinking the biggest risk that I take is playing it safe. So I wanna give my heart away like it ain't gonna break. Let someone in, even if it is. Rather end up penniless, chasing my bucket list. Cause over time's never time, we'll spend. I take the pound and head over missing out on late nights Cause the nights I remember And with the sunrise Took me wondering what if to know it's true Rather regret what I did than what I didn't do I spend the extra money surprise my mom for Mother's Day Cause having one less memory Ain't a price I wanna pay And I man up and say the sorries I've been putting off for years Tell the people that I love That I love them while I'm here We ain't promised tomorrow So the biggest risk that I take Is playing and safe. So I wanna give my heart away Like it ain't gonna break Let someone in even if it ends Rather end up penniless Chasing my bucket list Cause over time's never time We'll I'll take a pound head headache, hangover Over missing out on late nights Cause the nights I remember And with the sunrise Took me wondering what if to know it's true Rather regret what I did than what I Places I didn't go, but I didn't say, What I didn't try. That's right. Wanna give my heart away like it ain't gonna break. Let someone dead, even if it ends, rather end up penniless. Chasing my buggy list, cause over. Time Never time will spend. I'll take the pounding head and hang over. missing out on late nights. Cause the nights I remember. And with the sunrise. Took me wondering what it's to know it's true. Rather regret what I did than what I didn't do.